Today is Easter, and we are so very, very glad that each one of you are able to join us. We've seen so many new faces as, as parents have brought kids and families have kind of expanded during this holiday time, and we are just so grateful that you chose to come and spend your Sunday with us. We have an amazing time together. We love praising our God. We love lifting up his name. What Jesus did for us is unbelievable. And we get to share that story today. I'm hoping my voice isn't too bad. But I'm pretty sure there's going to be times I'm going to squeak. Because I'm pretty excited about today's message. We're going to focus on the most important life transforming story that you will ever hear. You see, Easter is a story of hope rising up from the ashes of despair. It's a story of blinding brightness emerging from the darkest of shadows. And of what looked like certain defeat, ultimate victory came forth. You see, the tomb could not hold Jesus. He rose from the dead undefeated. Easter is a story of triumph. A story that had the power to change lives in the very first century. And still has the power to change lives today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for the cross. But we really thank you for the empty tomb. You bring us joy. You bring us happiness. God, we are overwhelmed by your mercy. We're overwhelmed by how much you've graced us. But we want to bask in your victory today. We want to soak it all in. We don't want to miss a thing. We are just thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, our amazing story is really recorded for us in John chapter 20. If you have your Bibles or you have your flat screens, you can kind of thumb through that and get to John. It's in the New Testament, chapter 20. For those that don't have a Bible available, you can look up at the screen. Let's listen as the Breathe New Living Translation while drama unfolds for us. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, 
But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said, Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? Because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary. She turned to him. (gasps) Rabboni. Rabboni is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples. I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. As he spoke, He showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God. (laughs) You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God.
and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all add to this story. They all fill in the gaps. But we're only going to focus on John chapter 20. You know, as I read through John 20, I, well, I made some observations. There are three things that literally jumped out to me. First thing is this. Christ's followers were confused. They were afraid, even clueless about the cross and the tomb. Now, looking back, well, over 2,000 years, and trying not to be harsh, this is absolutely shocking. There are 23 places in the Gospels that Jesus literally takes the disciples and shares with them that he's going to die and he's going to be raised from the dead. I can almost see it like this at times. You know, when you need to really pay attention, your wife or someone very dear to you takes your face right in her hands. She looks at you right in the eyes. I know no one's ever had this happen, right? And, and then the words come out. And although I'm pretty slow, at this moment, I am all ears. I am really zeroing in. And I think what I'm being told is, hey, knucklehead, you have not been listening to me before, but I'm going to try this one more time in English. And then I hear it. Now, I don't know if Jesus took the faces. But I think sometimes he did. I think he looked at these guys tenderly and carefully. You know, in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus said this, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies, and he will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. And the disciples heard it, and they were filled with grief. Another incident in Mark chapter 9, the, the author writes this, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of the enemies, and he will be killed, but after three days he will rise from the dead. My favorite one, though, out of these 23 times is found in Luke chapter 9, verse 22. Jesus, again, talking directly to his disciples the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. And he said, he will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. So it wasn't that the disciples were ignorant or that they hadn't been forewarned, the cross and the resurrection would not compute for them. They did not get it. In spite of all the instruction, in spite of all the warnings, in spite of everything that Jesus was trying to do for these folks, they didn't get it. The cross was heinous. 
The empty tomb was unbelievable. And in our text, which we just heard, Mary, one of Jesus' closest disciples, well, she got to the tomb. She was surprised. So she ran and got Peter and John. Now, Peter and John hear it. Peter and John were one of Jesus' closest disciples. There's no doubt. They heard this message over and over and over and over again. But they run to this tomb, and their reaction is unbelievable. It looked like they were clueless. They certainly were speechless. And they were in shock. According to the scripture we just read, we knew that John at least, well, it clicked. He believed at this moment. We don't know if Peter did. Peter was, wow, kind of going through the last few days and hours. And it didn't seem to make any sense to him. Then one of the amazing sentences in all the scripture. John writes this. They both just went home. Really? Let's watch. Peter, stop! We'll get the guys to help with the search and then we'll divide up, all right? We'll have Andrew take the north, Bartholomew will take the bottom. Peter, stop! Look, I'm just as confused about this as you are. Someone stole him. That's the only logical explanation, John. Wait, 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 okay? Look, what we witnessed today. The guards, they took him. We have to move swiftly. We have to rebury the body properly. Peter, stop! Okay. We need to go tell the others. Tell them what? What we saw. We saw nothing. Exactly. John, do you not understand that they are trying to stop us? That's why Jesus kept waking us up to pray. That's why they got to Judas. That's why. That's why they arrested Jesus. Just the other day, I was looking at him. I was looking him in the eye and I I told him that I loved him and that I would follow him to the ends of the earth. was supposed to be our king. He is the king. When we were in the tomb, I remember something Jesus said. The linens were just lying there. They they were just lying there. Think bigger. Look, all of this, all of it was supposed to be preparing us for this moment, for that empty tomb. We just couldn't see it. Couldn't see what? When Mary came back and said that the tomb was empty and that the angel of the Lord was there, that's when it started to come back. John, enough. We can reminisce about this later. Jesus is missing. We have to go find him. He's not missing. That's the point. Look, he was trying to tell us about this. Jesus was preparing us for this. He's risen. Peter, he's a different kind of king, and he always was. Peter, you remember that night Jesus asked us who we thought he was? 
When he called me Satan? Yeah. Yeah, I called him... Lord. Lord. Lord of all, Peter. We just didn't understand. But he's gone. No. He's risen. He did it. 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 Peter, he's risen. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. He did it. Do you hear that world? He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. There's something about coming to the realization, in spite of all that Jesus said and all that Jesus did, coming to that tomb and seeing some linens. Well, word had gotten around. Mary certainly had spread the news, but everybody was talking. But the majority of the disciples were still scared. The scripture tells us that later that evening, the disciples met behind closed doors. They were petrified. What would happen? What happened if somebody finds out? And then what what does Jesus do? He shows up. I don't know if they were all huddled around. I don't know if there were some tears. I don't know if even John at this time was the only one that sort of believed or kind of believed or... But he started at least talking. And he's trying to convince. And I don't know, there's people shaking their heads. And and, uh, what are we going to do? Wait, wait, don't you understand? Mary had already met Jesus. He's alive. He's not dead. And then this very not dead person shows up in the room. Whoa. Could you imagine? Could you just try to figure out what that felt like? The despair of the hours before. The blackness, the darkness, the mutilation of the body, the taking down from the cross, the carrying to the tomb, the rock being rolled over. As we could see, none of Jesus' message kind of got through. They were sad. They were mortified. They had just spent three years with some dude. Well, was it all a waste? Did it make any kind of a difference? So they're huddled together. (laughs) No kidding. Jesus! Shows up. I don't know what happened. Maybe we saw the disciples doing a new dance. Maybe they fell on their knees. Maybe they just were awestruck. I guess it depends on their personality. But this was huge. Now, if you're Jesus, and I know not any of you are, you spent three years teaching, encouraging, 
helping them understand, saying so very, very, I am going to suffer. I am going to die. But I am going to live. You might come in with guns a-blazing. You! No. None of that. Hey, guys, what do you think the holes look like? No. You see, Jesus gives us a picture of who God is. And God really isn't sarcastic most of the time. He's not. He's amazing. He's loving. He's so kind. And right now, Jesus appeared simply to calm their inner storms and to bring peace and joy. They were grieving. They were surprised. They were fearful. And many of them doubted. Imagine the gamut of emotions. But Jesus was gracious. Jesus met them in their fears, in their doubts. He did. The unbelief was still strong in that room, even in light of the stories. And the unbelief is strong in our culture. The unbelief is strong in our neighborhoods. And the unbelief is strong in our churches. Because somehow we look at, well, the Jesus story as a religion. Instead of a Savior or a Lord or a Master or Messiah who came to, well, give us joy and give us purpose in our lives. We have this feeling that Jesus only brings restrictions and that Jesus only brings burdens and that Jesus only wants our money, and that Jesus only... And we just fill in the blanks. And Jesus says, I love you. I love you disciples like crazy. I don't understand why you don't get it. I don't. But I want you to know, I came here. I know you're scared. (laughs) I know you are. But I came here to bring you peace. I want a relationship with you that will will give you the wings to soar when you're scared. The ability to keep walking in spite of the waves. That's what I came for. And so I'm going to remind you again. I'm going to remind you one more. Well, he's going to remind him a few more times. But Jesus brought peace. And joy was the byproduct. I'm going to read again verses 19 and 20. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and in his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Wow, Jesus, our Savior, came to reassure some folks who were really, really frightened. 
And the last thing I saw in this chapter is that Jesus reminds them of their mission. He doesn't want to just assure them in their faith. He doesn't want to just pump their tires. He just doesn't want to just say, okay, I'm here just for the, the hard days and the hard times in life. I'm going to leave you on this planet for a reason. You can have a purpose. You're not going to just, well, enjoy all the comforts. I am going to send you out. Verse 21. John writes this. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. And if you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. You see, in the midst of their joy, Jesus reminds them, remember how my father sent me? I was able to go into all the villages. And I was able to proclaim the good news that the kingdom is here. And that people, well, they can connect with the king. And they can experience abundant living. And they can, whoa, look forward to eternal life. That's my good news. That's my message. I know that Rome is very powerful. I know that you're discouraged. I know that you've been waiting for the Messiah, the Savior. Well, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. And I've come. I've come. And I shared this message with the Jews and with the Greeks and with the Samaritans, with those who are rich and those who are poor and those who are politically connected, and those that aren't. Jesus loved sharing good news. And some people responded, and some people didn't. But he equips them. He said, I'm just reminding you, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. God is going to literally live within you. And I give you authority. You are my representatives. Wherever you go, you're going to be able to show people and tell people who God is and what my message is. You see, you get to share my forgiveness. Because I'm going to be leaving, guys. I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to go back to my dad. You guys are going to share this amazing message. You see, the resurrection was a big deal. And it was a critical chapter in their story. They had all seen the risen Lord now. This was amazing. It wasn't like they heard about it. It's like he's standing right in front of them. When they said that Jesus rose from the grave, they could say, oh, excuse me, I was there. This is only one time. Actually, he appeared to him quite a few times after he rose from the grave. But their message is, we've seen the risen Lord. And let me just remind you of this, that eventually the assignment given to them and the message they would proclaim would cost every one of those guys their lives. They would die proclaiming this message. A message that changed their life. A message that was so worthy for them to be able to shout 
and give to everyone they possibly could. The Apostle Paul, who lived just a little bit, or came into prominence just a little bit after the resurrection, he was probably the greatest of all the missionaries. He wrote in Romans chapter 3, verses 22 through 25, well, a summary of how important the resurrection was. You see, Jesus paid our debt on the cross and conquered sin and death when he arose. He writes this, Romans 3. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. For everyone has sinned. Um, We've blown it. Everyone falls short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin, every one of us, because we've all sinned. People are made right with God or restored or redeemed or reconciled is the most beautiful of all words when they believe that Jesus Christ sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. He writes just a little bit later in his letter to the Roman church in Romans chapter 4, verse 24. He said, God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins and was raised to life to make us right with God. That's the good news. The good news even today, maybe it's a news you've heard a long time ago. Maybe this is the very first time you've heard this news. But every one of us who are separated from God because of our sin, every one of us, can be reconciled because of what Jesus did last Friday and what we celebrate today. How amazing is this message? Raised to life to make us right and to remind us of a future. Because of the resurrection and because you put your faith in him, we can live abundantly. We don't have to exist. We can have the wings when we go through really hard news and hard times and hard pathways because our God walks with us. He's our dad. We can talk to him anytime. And not only that, because life's pretty hard, we get an opportunity to think and to experience heaven forever, a new body and a new earth. You know, I love the message translation at times. And Paul, again, writes to the Corinthian church. And I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 17 to 20, in the message translation. I just love this part. And if Christ weren't raised, then all you're doing is wandering around in the dark is lost as ever. It's even worse for those who died hoping in Christ in the resurrection because they're already in their graves. 
If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few years, we are a pretty sorry lot. But the truth is that Jesus has been raised up. The first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. You know, funerals are amazing celebrations of those people who know Jesus. Oh, they're hard when they don't know Jesus. But when there's a son or a daughter that, well, the scripture says, falls asleep, shuts their eyes, quit breathing, unbelievable time. They are ushered immediately into the presence of God. But what's so exciting, even though we miss them, even though it hurts, hurts painfully at times, we know that if they're part of God's family, it is just goodbye for a little bit. A little bit. See, the resurrection of Jesus is a well-documented and historical fact. It used to be years ago when we would talk about the resurrection, there'd be so many reasons to be skeptical. And I get it. But the truth is, is that this resurrection has been so well documented in all areas of history and even in the scripture where the Bible tells us that Jesus himself met with over 500 people after he was raised from the dead. Imagine that. Imagine that army that went out talking about Jesus. I'd like to close our message today right from John chapter 20, verse 31. If you've been part of Crosspoint and you've been part of our John series, we mention this verse just about every single time. You see, each Sunday we open up the scriptures and we've been spending time in John. We just jumped way, way down the road and went to chapter 20. If you come back next week, we'll probably meander back to John chapter 9. And we're going to continue just focusing on Jesus, his story, his unbelievable message and how it changes our life today and literally forever. But in John chapter 20, verse 31, John says this, the whole reason I wrote this gospel, the whole reason I wrote this history about Jesus, the whole reason is that I want you to continue to believe, even when things are tough, that Jesus is Messiah or Savior. He is Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. You see, Easter is an amazing celebration because we celebrate life. Not only the life of our Savior, but the life that He so graciously gives each one of us. And I guess right before our worship team comes up and, and we continue our time together, I'd like to ask you a question.
Do you know Jesus as Messiah? Do you have a relationship with the one who loved you so much, who paid your debt and my debt for sin? Are you wallowing and scrambling, trying to find life each morning? Or do you have the assurance that Jesus is your Savior? The Scriptures tell us, by putting your faith in Him, you can do that right now. You can say, Lord, I recognize my sinfulness. I recognize I need someone to rescue me. I'm in trouble. I am separated from you. But I take you. I take you, Jesus, as Savior. You paid my debt. And I take you as my Savior. The Scriptures tell us if you say those words, something like it, that you become a brand new creation. That from this very moment that you are a son or a daughter of God. And that you can count. You can be assured that someday when you die, you'll spend eternity with our God. Let me pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you again for your patience. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the way, Lord, that you just care about us, all of us. It's been quite a few years since you moved that stone. And yet your life continues to change people forever. Your message is such good news. And we, Father, as a group of followers, as part of your family, we, we look forward to what you've assigned us. That we have an opportunity to proclaim, to be able to share that Jesus is risen. That Jesus has been raised to life. And that someday all who believe will also be raised. God, that's going to be an amazing day, a glorious day. And I just, I just want to say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.